Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson. Glad that you're joining us today. We're continuing this series of episodes on how to start a missional community, how to think through the steps, preparing yourself to launch, and then we'll talk through how to launch afterwards. So far, we've talked about the vision, like what is a missional community, kind of have to get that set first. Talked about leaders, talked about mission. Today, we're talking about a committed core, committed group of people, and how you kind of need to begin building that before you even sort of launch. And, and Jared and I will talk a bunch about why that's really important. Just a quick side note as we do all of these episodes. What Jared and I are, are going to be sharing and, and others as they join this season, we're sharing our best wisdom, not rules on this is exactly how it always works out, but really our best wisdom that's born from each of us and uh, leading missional communities and leading churches of missional communities for over 10 years and sort of saying this is what we generally see and this is this is applied knowledge so that that's wisdom the other thing that i will say is that each of these steps we're, we're giving about 30 minutes to describing them but each of these steps and these things to think through are often filled with mess and a sense of helplessness even for me i feel at often in leading a missional community like i come to the end of knowledge and even the end of wisdom and how to disciple and care for people and how to even reach people on mission. And so my little caveat before we jump into this episode, and as an encouragement for those of you who have listened to the earlier ones, is we come to all of this with complete dependence, that no disciple is made and grows up in the gospel, grows up in union with Christ apart from the Spirit's movement and work. No vision becomes clear in the hearts of people unless it's the vision of Christ in us. No care for our neighbor and proclamation of the gospel happens outside of the empowering spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And there are many days and many points in which the stuff that we write on paper, the bullet points, or even podcast episodes, the knowledge of that comes to an end pretty quickly. And that's like the very beginning of dependence on Jesus. And so just to encourage you in that, as you listen to these episodes, I think what we share is a really good framework for how to create a space or an environment where we've seen the spirit work really consistently in the lives of people, both in the church and outside of the church. And so so it's kind of an environment building much more than it is a formula for transformation. We all know the formula for transformation. It's Christ interrupting our lives, the goodness of the gospel, the love of Christ saturating our lives. That's how we become transformed into the image of God, is that through all sorts of various trials and struggles, like God is forming us. So that's my caveat for this episode. With that, let's jump into this important topic of how do you build a community, a solid core group of people that are committed. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Jared, it's nice to have you back on the podcast. Thanks, Brad. It's good to be back, though I wish you were here with me in Paragold like the last time we recorded. I know. That was good. I miss Paragold. What was your favorite thing about Paragold? I would say 
the thing that stuck out most to me was the connection people had to the place. Not just you, because you grew up there, but all the people that I spent time with. Like, there's something about people that are connected to like the dirt that they live on, you know, mm-hmm. and the places and the streets and the corners and the train tracks and like all that stuff was just so meaningful yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Even like your building, like the back of it, you can look, you know, 30 degrees one way and it's like, that's where my grandpa worked. 30 degrees the other way, that's where my other grandpa worked. And that cool. It, yeah, it's just really cool. I think that's my yeah. favorite, especially and, in a place where people are not connected at all <laughs> to the ground. Oh, yeah. 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 That's good, man. Well, we loved having you. You served us very well while you were here. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the Crossings Church was my favorite part. And uh, oh, of course, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that basics class that you had to attend afterwards before you, we took you back to the airport, I'm sure was your. Also that was the highlight. Yeah, yeah. Well, I took that, all surely. those things. I'm, I've stole them. Yeah, I'm gonna steal all that stuff. I was like, this is good things right here. Yeah, I love that. I really did. So, speaking of though, when I was there, you prayed for and launched a new missional community in your church that had leaders, a committed core, and mission. And what we're talking about in this series is about how to start new missional communities. Question we get asked all the time. And in this episode, we're talking about that committed core, and we want to talk about why that's important, you know, what a committed core actually should look like, what commitment looks like, how you actually build up to that leading up to a community. It's, I, I think this is a great conversation because it's actually something I've assumed for a ton of my time doing this, just kind of assuming like, well, people know how to build a community. People know how to get a, a group of people committed, and there's actually there's some stuff that, that I've learned throughout the years. So, uh, and I know you have too on how this is important actual step that doesn't just happen. So Jared, I'm going to start off with you answering this question. Why is having a committed group so important? Yeah, I would say that one of the reasons uh, leaders need a committed group of people is because leadership is hard. So there's a great cost to leadership. It involves sacrifice and surrender to just real legitimate natural desires. Um, I think this is especially true when it comes to missional community leadership. And so from just your weekly annoyances, um, like people using four trash bags just for one (laughs) MC meal, um, that adds up, you know, um, to people not bringing food that said they were going to bring food to a kid breaking your wife's flower pot that you and your kids just made her for mother's day uh, to people leaving the room a mess. Uh, yeah. to some of the bigger issues like, you know, your kid getting punched by another kid or mm. you know, that kid telling your kid, like, I hate you. Right. And your kid comes crying to you in the middle of the, yeah. you know, in the middle of the whole deal, you know, or, you know, maybe there's a couple you pour into um, and all of a sudden, like they decide they just want to go be, they want to be a part of another church, you know, that mm-hmm. meets down the street because they have a better student ministry or whatever else. And then of course there's the, the call you get from the husband at 3am saying, Hey, I just caught my wife cheating. And so like, when you take all of that, like, I mean, there's just a cost to leadership. And, mm-hmm. and therefore I think, man, if you want to keep from burning out or wearing down, um, you need people around you who can, who can help carry some of the load, um, people who can Absolutely. not only, um, you know, help carry some of like just the, the, daily responsibilities or weekly responsibilities, but, but those who you just know that like they're with you in this, you know? And so uh, another reason I think this is so important is because 
you know, leadership is lonely. Um, not only do you face criticism mm-hmm. as a leader for not living up to others' expectations, but as a leader, in some ways, uh, you have to live out ahead of those who are not in leadership. And, and so you have to be thinking about the future, mm-hmm. about how to get from, you know, where God, where we are to where God is calling us as a group. And therefore, at times, as a leader who genuinely cares about the mission of God and cares about what your people are becoming and seeing them being conformed more and more to the image of Jesus, yeah. there are seasons where you're just going to feel lonely, you know, mm-hmm. like Elijah, you're going to be like, man, am I the only one um, who really cares you mm-hmm. know, about Jesus and his mission and making disciples? Am I really the only one who's sacrificing or putting in and, you know, and, and I think in those seasons, especially it's going to be crucial for you as a leader to know mm-hmm. that again, you have someone there who says, "Like I'm, I'm with you in this. Like, hey, I actually believe Jesus rose from the dead as well. Like, I believe in all this stuff just as much yeah. as you do." And so, kind of an image I've had in my mind at times is, you know, when it comes to leadership, it can feel like you're just you're pulling the sled with a bunch of people on it, mm-hmm. uh, and and you need at least I think you know three, four, five of the people who are like, no, 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 like we're actually alongside you, pulling the sled with you. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so that's that's a big reason why I think you need to commit a community. I think another reason is you just can't make disciples without community. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Jesus says that uh, the church is the body of Christ. And so that means like you're not the most accurate representation of Christ, but the church mm-hmm. is. So if you truly want to show those that you're trying to reach, those who you're trying to disciple towards Christ, if you truly want to show them an accurate picture of what Christ looks like, the greatest hermeneutic of that, or the greatest kind of flesh and blood example that is the church. It's a group of people who are using their gifts and their resources and all working together um, mm-hmm. around the mission God's called them to. So I know there are more reasons I'd like to kind of hear from you on that, but that'd probably be my, my top two yeah, reasons for why we need to commit a community. But yeah, I'd love to hear from you on that. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. You know, what I have just written is not as, as poetic and thought out as what you have is just leading with only the leaders being committed just stinks, you know, mm-hmm. so like a community that way, it just stinks. And one of the ways it does is I think leaders end up trying to convince people to be part of the missional community as you're like doing it. And I think you kind of, you just need to have, like you said, four or five, six other people who from the get go are saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm committed to this. I want to see it happen. I'm going to be here you don't need to convince me that this is a good way to be discipled. I'm already in. If you don't have that, a leader just does everything. will make all sorts of consolations. Like you were just describing like, Oh no, it's cool. My house can be destroyed at the end of the day. No, no, it's cool. Oh, you want us to speak in tongues tonight? That's cool. Like let's, let's speak in tongues tonight. Oh, you want us to do a, a 20 minute inductive Bible study? Cool. Let's do that tonight. Cause you're just trying to get people to be bought in and you kind of have to start with a group that's already bought in. So then you can show the others because your community will begin having people that are kind of onlookers or just kind of like, Oh, do I want to do this or not? And then they can see an accurate representation of community and then decide to join. You know what I mean? Yeah. What you just said is really uh, key. I think when you said that it's nice to have, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but basically it's nice to have some people in the group who are not trying to convince yeah. this is worth it. And so I think we there's a lot of energy that goes into having to feel like you've got to convince somebody to mm-hmm. show up regularly or to, to live right. on a mission. Kind of just the image that came to my mind is, you know, when you're leading a missional community, if you don't have a committed core, imagine just being like a single parent with 15 kids. Right. 
Like, is it doable? Uh, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, you think about the single parent where they are emotionally relation, just the energy levels they have versus someone who mm-hmm. has at least like one of their parent in the home who's right. walking arms with you and saying like, I'll actually talk to the kids about this tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can yeah. go sit on the back porch with your cup of coffee. Like, yeah, let me, you, you actually can go for a walk and let me have this conversation with them. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's like even oh, just totally. one other parent in there is super nice. I just had a, mem- a memory of uh, this one time I took my kids and this other family's kids solo to the zoo in Portland. And we like drove there. We had to park in the auxiliary parking lot and then get on the bus. And I was like wrangling all these kids by myself. And the whole time I had to be like, no, no, it's worth it. It's totally worth it, guys. It's totally worth it. <laughs> like, no, we're going to see lions and stuff. Like, don't worry about it. And the, But the whole time I was just like, I hate this. Like, what yes. did I do? Uh, yeah. I was trying to be super dad and I am none of those things. So yeah, it's exactly, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. The only other reason I have about why it's important is Jesus did it. You know, Jesus didn't come and be like, no, whoever wants to be committed, like, follow me. That's cool. He actually went to 12 people to begin and really asked them like high level of commitment, like leave, ever, leave your, your parents, leave your job, leave your identity. He like changed some of these guys' names, you know, and said, mm-hmm. uh, come and follow me, come and die. And so I think we're being a lot like Jesus when we call people to be committed from the get go. You know, we're not calling people to, you know, follow Jesus as we're following Jesus, obviously. But, but I think that's why, yeah, commitments, commitments, huge. Having a group that's committed is huge. Sure. What do you think makes for a good committed group? I know people have asked me that. Um, mm-hmm. what you say, what is a, what does a good committed community actually look like? Yeah. I kind of think through like three different layers and I think people will be, will score it like different percentages of this, you know, but I think through three things like people who are passionate about the mission that you're trying to pursue, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, we're trying to like live on mission to like something my wife and I are considering like creation care and then calling the environmentalists around us to join us in caring for creation and share the gospel through that. It's like, Oh, we'll call people like, Hey, there's Christians in our church who are like passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Like we want to pursue them uh, or people that you're already invested in relationship wise. Community is hard logistically, which we'll get to in a later episode. And I think if you've already got a group of people that you kind of run with, like run with those people, like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be super hard. We can say, Hey, Oh wow. We're already doing life with these couples, the single person, this family, why don't we like become a community? So I think that's a good pool to to go for. And then just, I think a, a very basic thing is like pursuing a group of people that live near you or live near one another, or maybe even a similar season of life where it can just work out uh, yep. logistically. Uh, it's one of the underestimated thing is just how much like for a lot of this to, to really thrive, you kind of need a certain level of logistical overlap. You know, like mm-hmm. we're actually free at the same times, you know, like we, we live in the same zip code, you know, that kind of thing is, mm-hmm. is important. So that's, I mean, those are my super pragmatic things. What, what would you say makes a good committed group? Yeah, I would say if you are faithful and you are friendly, I nice. would love to have you in my group. <laughs> and so, um, I really, good. yeah, I'm going to, I guess, lower the bar. I mean, 
I don't know if it's lowering the bar or not, but yeah, faithful and friendly, man. I guess what I mean by that is like, if you're faithful, if you show up, if it's like, if I can count on you, mm-hmm. like you're going to be there on Sunday mornings, you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you show up, like you have to show up for food because you signed up for it and you, <laughs> you might even help clean, you know, after yeah. it's over and, and whenever, you know, it's time to go serve our people group, like you're there, like you just show up. Yeah. They're like, man, like that is over half the battle. Like, thank you, Jesus. Like you're here, you know, 100%. and then you're not, you're not a, you're not a drag, like you're, you're friendly. And so, yeah. man, if I have to splash cold water on my face to want to hang out with you, like, <laughs> uh, like I'm just not going to as a part of the committed group, you know? And so like, I, I yeah. want it's nice to have someone who's easy to be friends with, you know, yeah. like they're, they're an enjoyable presence. It's clear that they, they care about me. Um, mm-hmm. They check in on me and my wife. They invite us over to their house. They don't just be like, Oh, well, you're the leader. So you should invite us over. Like they actually want us to go. Like they pray for us. They, mm-hmm. they, they make us laugh. You know, we can laugh with them and just have a good time. And so like, man, I think like, yeah, you're faithful and friendly. Mm-hmm. Like I'm praising right. God for you. Like, man, thank you, Lord for bringing these people yeah. into our lives. Yeah, I'd like that a, a bunch. Yeah, especially because what we're talking about is that committed group of people that's going to help like shape the culture of the community and live on mission, you know? And so you're not saying like, hey, people who aren't friendly can't be part of the group, but you're just like, these people we're going to start with and build that culture of discipleship with, they should be faithful and friendly. And <laughs> Man, I've, I mean, I've been the jerk. So I, it's like, I shouldn't have started the community with myself because I wasn't in a friendly, <laughs> friendly time of life. But that I is find that hard to believe, man. I've always enjoyed your presence. Well, you know, there were times where I had like babies and, you know, master's thesis and other things going on in my life where I wasn't a uh, happy person. So, yeah, I think that's that's huge. Another question, and this is one of those things that I kind of alluded to in the beginning that that I've often assumed, but then as I've talked with people and coach people, is actually not intuitive, is so you want a faithful group of community, like a faithful committed core, and you know the people that you want to invite into that. How do you actually call people to join your new missional community? That kind of basic thing. How do you do that as you go about it? Yeah, well, I think it just kind of goes <clears throat> goes back to vision casting, which means I'm going to start with answering the question, okay, what's the problem, you know, that mm-hmm. we're trying to solve? Um, and then, like, secondly, you know, like, you know, what are we going to do about it? And then third is, you know, what am I asking you to do? Like, you know, what? why am I coming to you now? Uh, what am I asking? Why am I asking you to join us in this? You know, what, mm-hmm. what are we asking you to do and participate in? And so, you know, I can just give you an example with our missional community. Um, as you know, we work with we work with refugees in our city. And so what is the problem? Like, okay, well, the problem is refugees are being located to a predominantly white city where they're considered a threat. God clearly calls us in the scriptures to take care of refugees, to love them, to care for them, to hmm. be hospitable towards them. And yet for many of us, uh, rather than being hospitable, rather than welcoming refugees with open arms, we're we're really just kind of actually like stiff arm them. Hmm. You know, we're keeping them at a at a distance. And it's crazy because you think about it like kind of what we tell people, man, God is bringing the nations to our city. He's making mm. it so easy for us to fulfill the great commission. And yet, as far as I know, there's not any churches doing anything about that. So that's a big problem. Mm. Um, and therefore, what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to build relationships with refugees just one by one. And we're going to seek to meet practical needs. And, you know, when they need help around the house or moving furniture or tutoring or 
whatever we're going to, you know, or, or, or filling out paperwork, we're going to do that. We're going to have them around our own tables mm-hmm. and eating meals with us. And we're going to be around their tables. And so why do we need you? Why am I coming to you? Well, because this is just too big of a thing for us to do alone. I mean, refugees yeah. have big needs, uh, just as I would, if I was a refugee in, in Ethiopia, as a guy who was born and raised in Paraguay, Arkansas, mm-hmm. you know I mean? I'd, I would be in, in, I'd stand in major need, major help, you know? And so this could be overwhelming if it was just my wife and I. And so we need a solid mm. people to join us. And so what are we asking you to do to give two hours a month? You know, there's just one of our refugee families, you know, uh, yeah. the people in the missional community to, again, to host a meal in your home mm. or to engage them on their turf for the purpose of building relationships and showing them the love uh, that God has extended to us mm. as, as bringing us in as refugees into his family. So that's how we begin to make the call to people. So, and I would just add yeah. on a very practical level, don't do this through a text. Uh, <laughs> don't do it through a group message. And so I, this is just fresh in my mind. Oh man. We have a missional communities, uh, some leaders right now that are trying to, uh, trying to build a core group. And um, I talked with our lady in our church just recently. And I said, Hey, how come you didn't join? Cause I knew that this, these missional community leaders or potential leaders had asked her and her husband to join their group. And, she said, well, I just didn't really feel like it was that big of a need. I said, well, it's a huge need. How come you think it was a need? She said, well, they just kind of sent me a text. And I just felt like it was like, <laughs> everybody's doing that to a bunch of people. And it's like, I'm sure they don't really need us. Right. You know, mm. like, and, you know, little did she know, like nobody had even said yes, really, to joining them. And they're right. very important. And so, um, but I've seen it now go the other way where these leaders literally just last night sat down with another couple in our church over dinner. Mm-hmm. As soon as the dinner was over, this couple texted me, um, not the MC leaders, but the ones who were asking them to, the ones who were being asked to join the MC. And that couple texted me right after them, they're like, hey, we're so excited about this new MC. We said yes, mm-hmm. this new family and the launch of the new MC. And it was a lot of it had to do with just a personal kind of one on one connection. Yeah, that is really good. And that's very practical. But I think I have seen that or like group email. It could be born out of like a sense of you don't want to be rejected that way, just like mm-hmm. how you ask a girl out via text. Yeah, absolutely. Or, <laughs> and I, and so I think that that's if that is you, you know, I think that's something to process like with Jesus around like fear of man and like absolutely. fear of being rejected and and that you don't have to be. And you know, the other thing that I that I, you said that really struck me is how you're talking to people about the mission. Like this is the mission. This is how we're going to engage in it this is why we need your help. And then you're even really clearly saying, Hey, this is how we're going to call you into that mission within the community. Like just real practically mm-hmm. in your example, like two hours a month having meals with a refugee family. Mm-hmm. Man, I think that's so like critical because people totally understand from the get go. This is what, and we talked about this in the first episode, like this is what the path towards becoming missional community totally looks like. I think yeah. uh, sometimes we lean on, yeah, come and join us. We're going to be on mission to, you know, these folks, like we'll figure it out together. It sounds winsome, you know, but really people want to be led towards like, we believe these are the stepping stones to building the kind of all encompassing mm-hmm. mission that, that we want to see. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. hope people take note. One other question that I think is important that also get asked a lot, especially in our, we're kind of a commitment avoidant culture. And I think that that might apply everywhere. People are commitment avoidant in Paragold too, right? Absolutely. It's not, it's not just out yes. here on the coasts, yeah, not just out yeah. here in Bernie land. Not just you West. Yeah. <laughs> Feel the burn. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's not just the West coast liberals. It's, uh, it's, it's very awesome. true here as well, man. Right. And so I think, being really clear on like 
what commitment looks like is huge as we've described. So what for you is ideal commitment? Yeah, well, I can tell you what we're asking of our missional community members, and that is we're asking for a daily commitment, a weekly commitment, a monthly commitment. And so under daily, it's just we're asking them to practice the way of Jesus Hmm. on their own, you know, by like reading the Bible every day, spending time in prayer, silence and solitude to, you know, take time, I guess, you know, just to practice the spiritual disciplines as far as just kind of a weekly commitment, you know, like take a Sabbath, show up at Mm -hmm. the Sunday gathering, you know, show up at the MC meal unless you're sick or out of town. Um, We're trying to help our people be better humans by saying, you know, rather than shooting kind of the sneaky text right before like, Hey, we're out tonight. You know, like try to give a 24 hour notice, like actually plan to be there. And then Mm -hmm. like, if you say you're not going to come, like, you know, let us know that. And rather than texting, I'd even encourage you to call. You know, the yeah. MC leader. I just let him know, like, I'm so sorry we can't be there. Like, just so we know that you care, you know. And so mm-hmm. beyond that weekly commitment is like, you know, there's just regular life stuff. And so just be open for when opportunities arise mm-hmm. to meet needs or to share a meal outside of the MC meal with someone in your MC or extracurricular activities. Someone's kids playing soccer and it's their senior year and they want other people from the MC to come and watch the last game or whatever. Um, and so there's a daily commitment, weekly commitment, and then monthly is, which I mentioned earlier, is or alluded to, we're looking for at least two hours of monthly proactive mission. Where we're actually coming together and serving uh, our specific people group. If, you, if you're committed to those things, then that's a that's huge. I could also add in your daily, or I'm sorry, not daily, but weekly, is, is we are making a big push for people to be involved in DNAs. I think that that would be fantastic if we could add that in there, of everyone being involved in a DNA that meets on a weekly basis. So, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and I also love the some of the things that you're setting up in that commitment, like giving people heads up notice, you know, really being there, being involved. I think uh, it's something I've stolen from you since my time in Paragold is you guys talked about transformation. I think that's what you said. Transformation happens with the gospel plus safety plus time. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that you need those three things to really have an effective like environment where people are discipled and, and some of that might sound like legalistic, like, oh, I have to give 24-hour notice, you know, like it's mm-hmm. canceling a doctor's appointment or something. Yep. But you're like, no, it's like it actually creates safety for people. Because uh, yeah. I've just seen it, yeah, like amongst several leaders of just like the social anxiety that comes up and just like the burden of like, I don't know who's coming tonight. Or even as it gets closer, they're like, oh, in the What's next gonna- 30 minutes, someone's their people bam, are going to start texting yep. me saying they can't come. And it's just super unfair. And then it it really tears away, I think, at community. Dude, it does, man. Especially for the leaders that are out there and listening to this. You know, like if you're hosting, especially if you're hosting, you mm-hmm. know, and you and your spouse are putting in a lot of work to get the house ready and, and you're making the commitment, you know, mm-hmm. like you're making a big sacrifice every week. And yeah. that's just incredibly lonely <laughs> and hurtful yeah. place to be in where it's just like you're giving everything you have and then yeah last minute people can just like on a whim be like oh we're not going to come yeah yeah that's really what we're just trying to do is just make it a safe place not just for those who are being led but for the leaders themselves because if it's not a safe place for leaders and they're not going to do it for very long i mean they're, right. they're not going to stand the test of time so yeah i'm glad you brought that up it's really not None of this is meant to be legalistic. It's just we're trying to learn how to be a good family. Mm-hmm. And I always, it, it amazes me, like people that come around our church, or they hear about some of the things we do in our church, like, golly, you guys, like, you have a lot of structure, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of, it seems like there's a lot you're asking from folks. And it's like, man, we're not asking any more from our faith family than really we are from our own biological family. 
mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that like we have rules, we have regulations, and we have things, and it's not legalistic. It's just you got to have it for your family to oh. thrive and flourish. And I think in our culture more than ever before, and I'm getting on a little bit of a soapbox, I know, but it's like in our culture more than ever before, like people really believe that the ultimate authority is my experience and my feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's like, well, I, I want to, if it's not a good experience for me and I don't feel like it's good for me, then like, how dare you mm-hmm. even ask me to do that? You know? mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's detrimental to the family. Right. And even I think when you, that you, you need to build an environment, like, as you said, like, or there's safety, you know, in a safe place for people to grow and time. So some of these things are just built in. So like we can have that kind of environment. But then I think ultimately when it comes to commitment, it's just the nature of God, the father and the son and the Holy spirit, like their relentless commitment to showing up, to being present, to being involved, to assuming responsibility, to giving what's required. It's hard for me to imagine it a greater way that we can be like God like be the image of God that we were created to be than to be committed yes. to the church. You know, Absolutely. it's, uh, it's just, yeah, well said. it's deeply like who God is. And then even if we ask the four questions, you know, who is God? He's committed. No doubt. I'd say <laughs> what so. has he done? Everything that's required to be committed. So who are we? We're people that have been brought into a family where the father is committed and shows up. Yeah. Uh, so how so should we live? Man. We should live as committed, responsible, like engaged people, just as, just as our father is. So yeah, we, we both got our own soapbox there. And, uh, and yeah, if you're a person who's just listening and you're not a leader, man, there's, there's no better life giving thing to give a leader than this kind of stuff and support them. Um, we talk about commitment just a little bit differently. We talk about being committed to the process of becoming a missional community over time. Uh, we, we say that because we want people to understand that week one and two and three and four is not like the ideal, but we're going to keep putting the ideal in front of people. And we're asking people to commit to the journey of getting, of becoming that in reality and then being committed to the process of learning and helping others learn. We also ask people to be committed to the broader church, which is similar to what you were saying, the gatherings, DNA groups, that sort of thing. And then we ask people to be committed to their own journey towards spiritual maturity. So all learning and all growth at some level is self-owned. We aren't like plants, uh, you know, like a plant gets put in the ground and somebody else has to do everything to nurture it and make sure it gets the sun and the water that it needs. But we are actually people who are responsible for our own discipleship journey as well so Mm -hmm. yeah and and we ask people to be committed to that yeah that's it man as i'm listening to this i'm just thinking about those who are listening as well and and just to paint a picture of reality i would just say this is probably true of you as well brad like Mm. um i could be wrong but it typically (laughs) seems like in my experience uh you have probably in a group of 20 adults five to six that are a part of that committed core. Mm -hmm. And so that I would say fall into that faithful and friendly or however you Mm -hmm. want to find it. And so I just want to just say to those who are listening, make sure you don't paint a picture as you hear this of like, Oh man, like Brad and Jared or the guys who are whatever on this Mm -hmm. podcast, like they have a whole group of committed people Mm -hmm. because that's just not the case. And so don't beat yourself up. If you're only like, man, I'll I'll be going to point to one or two people or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so 
I do think this is a good yeah. goal to shoot for, mm-hmm. but just don't be unrealistic in your expectations. Yeah, that's a great point. Even as you think about a missional community, we've, we also have done some alliteration, you know, like the committed core is the family. And then outside of that, there's friends. So like, even as you think biologically, it's like the people who are always over for dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and might even go on some vacations with you and stuff like that. And, and eventually might become like family, you know, and those uh, deep, intimate relationships. And then outside of that, you have fans. Like people are like, man, I love what you're doing. I love the food. I'm going to come when I can come and I'm going to be there when I can be there. Like how I am with the Staples Center and the Lakers. You know, it's like when the when the stars align, I'm going to be there, you know. Sure, yeah. uh, yep. But I'm not going to orient my whole life around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say, yeah, what you're saying is so true. Like, I think generally group has like four or five of those committed family members and then maybe like four or five other friends. And then sometimes like five, 10 fans, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think what you and I are saying in this, this podcast is you, you can't start a mission community just with fans. That's right. Absolutely. That's exactly (laughs) right. That's, that's hard, you know, uh, and you can't just start them with, with friends either. Like you gotta have some, some people outside of you and your wife or you and your husband who are like in on this. Yeah, from the get-go. Absolutely. That's good stuff, man. Committed core. Committed core. Go get it. Step four. It rhymes. That yeah. was rhyme, man. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's impressive. I'm trying to be like you. You know, oh, okay. I was up there. I heard, I saw the alliteration and the yeah, man. the acronyms, and I was like, I am just weak sauce over here. That's what yeah. happens whenever you're the son of a Southern Baptist preacher. <laughs> well, I am too. I'm oh, the son of a Southern Baptist yeah, preaching but you've professor. Been out the West Coast too long, man. You're in Portland, and, <laughs> and you didn't grow up in the dirty South, man. That's true. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Jared, thanks for making time and your your schedule to hang out and talk about this. It's going to be a, a blessing to people, and and we'll continue working through these very practical next steps in forming a community. Thanks, everybody. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.